hey, it's Ian Altman. People would come to me and say, can you build a community where we can interact with other people who are applying same-side selling to their business? And that's what we built with the Same-Side Selling Academy. Best of all, right now, it's totally free. So go to samesidesellingacademy.com, sign up there, and be a part of the community. And just, I encourage you to be an active member of that community. I look forward to seeing you there. Hey there, welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast. This is Ian Altman. It's a solo episode. I'm giving you a quick glimpse, a sneak under the covers at this year's annual trends article. If you were to Google business trends, this is probably the search result that comes up number one organically. In fact, Google often has this as the snippet. This is my trends article in Forbes. So the 2018 one is coming out right around the same time as this episode. So you'll get a little bit of a sneak peek, but if you hop on over to Forbes or onto our website at ianaltman.com, you can get a link to look at it as well. Also, if you have the time, if you haven't already done a review for Same Side Selling, I would be so grateful if you did. And um, I'd like to say I'm not competitive, but a buddy of mine has more reviews on his new book than I've got on Same Side Selling. And... um, And so if you would take the time to do it, I would love it because I am competitive and I want to have more reviews than he does. So let me dive into some of the topics that I cover in this year's trends article. The first one is about artificial intelligence and how artificial intelligence is now being used to improve customer experience. So historically and stereotypically, we think of artificial intelligence as some form of automation, And the automation makes it so that the interactions become less human and we get less of a personal interaction. But the reality is that if we use artificial intelligence properly, it can take tasks that are mundane and allow us to work a little bit smarter rather than harder. And the examples I give in the article are actually related to GPS technology and businesses that actually have made it so that the customers get a better experience because – For example, Google Maps is just using big data and using all this information that a human being would normally have to process, but a human being couldn't process it fast enough. But artificial intelligence technology can can plot out all the different routes and tell us how to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible, given the immediately absolute current traffic conditions based on other people out there. So where they used to have cameras and sensors – Now it's just pulling in data. And companies like GPS Insight are using this technology to make it so that instead of having a ridiculously wide window of when the cable company is going to show up, now they can say, look, here's the three-hour window, and as we get closer, we'll let you know we're a half hour away. And they're able to do that using the technology to improve the experience. Companies are also using this to make it so that sales professionals aren't wasting time doing manual research when the technology can give you an indicator that says, hey, you know what? This client is starting to look around for a solution like ours. We should get in touch with them. So the first one is this idea of artificial intelligence improving the customer experience. The second one is with all the move that we see in social media, and keep in mind, these aren't necessarily in sequence. So I just want you to know that you're you're probably going to read them in different sequence online. This is just how kind of I was looking through them and deciding which ones to share. Um, The next one is when it comes to live interaction. See, we think of social media as this great way for us to interact with other people. 
And so you might think that with social media and the rise of social media, we actually are in a position where people are less inclined to go to live in-person events. And the reality is that because of social media in many respects, people crave live, real interaction. So a couple months ago, I attended an event in Philadelphia. There were 75 professional speakers. We all convened in Philadelphia on a Saturday. Keep in mind, most of us travel 100 plus days a year. So it's not like we were thinking, oh, great, we can get on the road. Most of us were actually flying back from other events and then heading to Philadelphia on our own nickel to interact with people and share ideas that we could theoretically share on social media, and we do, but people wanted that face-to-face human interaction really craved it. And there are great events out there that foster the same type of community. And so when we think of social media as pushing people out of human interaction, it actually is driving more need and desire for that interaction, which brings me to the topic of social learning. Social learning is the learning that used to take place by the water cooler. So it's the people chatting about what just happened on a call, or it's people saying, oh, I had this client, had this situation, and the other person says, oh, you know what, 20 years ago I had the same thing, here's the way I dealt with it, and now we get the benefit of their information, their knowledge, their experience. Well, with remote learning and learning management systems, the curriculum side has gotten really sophisticated. And what most people are realizing is that what's missing is the community aspect of it. So when we launched the Same Side Selling Academy, it wasn't just about creating curriculum, which we're going to be pushing out um, in Q1, but it was about having a community where people could interact, share their best practices, share what's working for them and not working for them, because that's what makes a difference for people is when they say, oh, so-and-so did this and got results. Maybe I'll give that a shot. Because at one level, it seems kind of clinical, and then all of a sudden you hear someone else had success with it, and you go, ooh, I could actually make that work. So that might seem insignificant, but when you have evidence that it's worked for somebody else, you start thinking to yourself, man, I could actually do this too, and I could be successful, and that helps move the needle quite a bit. I've talked about the idea of the subject matter expert being the new rainmaker, And what I've discovered over the last year is that not only is the subject matter expert the new rainmaker, but the subject matter expert is the person best suited to open doors. See, I've been hearing from more and more sales professionals that it's harder and harder to reach, to get contact with their ideal customers because they just don't have a great desire to interact with them, to talk to them because they don't feel they have a need to actually communicate with them. But the subject matter expert is somebody who they can actually pull in. They can actually have a conversation with the subject matter expert with that decision maker, if you will, with that key executive, because the subject matter expert has something of value to bring to the table. So you can reach out and say, hey, I'm going to be in the neighborhood. I want to stop by and talk to you about our stuff. And no one wants to have that meeting. You're just going to be stuck in voicemail purgatory. But instead, if you said, hey, look, you know what? I've got an expert on my team, um, is really up on the latest trends in your industry. And in two weeks, he's going to be in town. He's got time for five meetings. If you don't want to meet him, that's totally fine. I just thought it might be helpful for you to talk about what's going on in the industry. And there may or may not be anything we can do to help you, but at least you'll know what's going on with other people. And 
you're probably going to have a pretty good success rate of having that meeting. Now, you can't then show up and just give a sales pitch because then that was your one bite of the apple and you're done. But the subject matter expert can truly open doors and allow you to get into places you wouldn't get to otherwise and get meetings with the attendees who might not show up otherwise. The other aspect that I really want to cover in this session is something I've talked about, but maybe not articulated in the same way, which is marketing that is focused on results and marketing that's focused on the problems you solve is destroying marketing that's centered around features and benefits. So traditionally, marketing would focus on features and benefits. Today, it's focusing on problems and results. See, in the research I've done, and those of you who've attended a same-side selling immersion program know this, in the research I've done, when I ask executives to go through an exercise on how they make and approve decisions, the questions they ask are, what problem does this solve? Why do I need it? And then what's the likely result or outcome? So if we know that, we have to start by talking about the problems that we're good at solving. And if we don't talk about the problems that we're good at solving, then we run the risk of people saying, well, so I don't necessarily know that I need this from you. I don't know that I necessarily need whatever it is you're selling because, you know, if I gave you the fastest recovery from surgery, but you don't think you have a condition that requires surgery, then you don't care how fast the recovery is. Um, similarly, if we don't talk about the problems we're good at solving, then we might not know how to look for the right opportunities. And in fact, if you want to cross-sell other services in your organization, you better understand the problems or the symptoms you should be looking for in, the, in, in your client organizations to know how you might be able to help them and what problems you solve for them. Now, coming out of that, once we talk about the problems we solve, then we have to talk about the outcome that we deliver. Because if people ask, what problems to solve? Why do we need it? What's the likely outcome? Once they say, yeah, I have that problem, then think about it. They want to know, well, am I likely to get the best outcome with you versus somebody else? And if that's the case, it's an easy decision. And if it's not the case, then we get an uphill battle. So from a marketing standpoint and communication standpoint, we need to focus on that aspect of here are the problems we solve and here are the outcomes we've delivered for other people having those problems. And we do that. Other people say, yeah, I have that problem and I wish I could get the same outcome as that other folk. That person over there, I want the same result they had with their problem for my problem. And now we've got somebody's attention and that can shorten the sales cycle, make people less price sensitive because we focused on the problem and the outcome. And guess what? We don't have to talk about how we solved it. That's a good reason for them to call us because we didn't talk about how we solved it. And that becomes a major value point. Now, as part of that, we also need to make sure that we're feeding our community, not just buyers. See, there was this whole trend about the buyer's journey. And when our customer is looking for a solution, here's the process they follow. And everyone was made to believe that it was a linear process. And it's just not so. And in fact... Our smart and best clients, the smartest and best ones, are actually constantly trying to learn. And they're constantly trying to solve other challenges and learn about things that don't necessarily have to do with your products and services. But imagine if you think to yourself, well, my ideal client is in this type of industry. And let's say they're a manufacturing company. 
And it's a food-related manufacturing company, so they're dealing with all sorts of different regulations. Well, even if I sell a piece of equipment that doesn't have to do with regulations, I might think to myself, well, what types of questions do these people have where we've got qualified people who can give them answers or insights? Because if they start learning when I, when I don't have anything to sell to them, if they start learning from us when we're not pitching them but we're just adding value, then guess what? We're getting trust points, if you will, along the way. So each time they learn something from us, they go, wow, I trust these people just a little bit more. And then they learn a little something else. And they go, wow, I trust these people even more now. And eventually they get to the point they say, wow, you know what? I just trust these people and I want to do business with them. So in the article, I focus on an example from Barry Glassman. Barry's the president of and founder of Glassman Wealth Services. And so he deals with high net worth individuals as a wealth advisor. And Barry has events on things like travel safety. And he shares content with his um, with his clients and anyone in the community about what are responsible ways to engage in philanthropy. So you might think that as a wealth advisor, all you should talk about is investment options and all you should talk about is what's going on in the market. But guess what? That information is a dime a dozen. You can get it everywhere and they're all going to be conflicting. But what Barry's clients are really interested in is, okay, if I'm a high net worth individual, what might I do? Well, you know what? I might be doing some global travel and wow, it'd really be great to understand how I can be safe when I travel around the world. And by doing that, he further engages his customers. And then imagine someone else is working with a different advisor and Barry's client says, oh yeah, we just had this great travel safety um, workshop that, that Barry did in an airplane hangar and there were there were a couple private jets there and um, talked about all sorts of different things we can do to enjoy ourselves and whether we're traveling with our grandchildren or our family members. Man, it was just fantastic. All of a sudden, the other person goes, man, my advisor doesn't do stuff like that. And it really moves the needle. By the way, there's a whole bunch of other topics that I cover in this Trends article. We talk about things like blockchain um, and what's going on in the world of blockchains, um, things like Bitcoin that are powered by, by the blockchain protocol. We talk about some economic trends. But the bottom line is there's a lot of great information that you can feel free to use in this article. Just go on to Forbes.com. You can look for the, um, the, the top 10 business trends that will drive success in 2018. Visit on my website as well. And hopefully this gives you a little bit of insight, some things that you can use to move your business forward in 2018. Remember, this show gets the direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you think I should cover, if there's a guest I should have on the program, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer.